Well, good morning, church family. My name is Andrew, one of the pastors here. Uh, we are going to, next Sunday, we're going to start a sermon series on the Gospel of John. And so for Advent, ser- Advent season, we'll be in John chapter 1, which is a great Advent text about Jesus coming to be with us. And then in the new year, we'll just work through the book of John. And it is so filled with Jesus modeling for us intimacy, authenticity, and simplicity. So it will continue. This soul work will continue, but it'll continue as we look at the Gospel of John. Um, Grant mentioned that we want you to feel loved and connected, and some of you do. Some of you are so well connected with your friends, with your family, with your church, and, uh, and I hope in those connections you feel loved. Some of you may be well connected and you don't feel loved and so you're looking for a new connection. And some of you might just feel disconnected altogether. And I want to just let you know as a tangible way that our church wants to build community, there are a handful of people in our church who have reached out and said, if there's somebody in, your, in our sphere of influence in our church community who doesn't have a place to go for Thanksgiving, let me know. There's people in the church who would love to have you into their home to enjoy good food, rich conversation, and connection. So if you're in that boat today where you're feeling disconnected and unloved or very connected and unloved because you'd, maybe you'd rather have a church family than a blood family, okay, a few giggles, thank you. Um, reach out. You could email me, andrew at parkmn.com, and I can connect you with a couple of those homes. We would love to do that for you. Um, before we get going this morning, I want to I share this picture with you. This is Costelgenic, which means church differently. Uh, This is a partner church of ours in Czech Republic. I forget the name of the town. I haven't been there yet. My goal is to go there someday. We're going to take a retreat to Czech Republic and hang out with our sister church there in the Czech Republic. This morning, seven hours ago, they worshiped in this new space for the first time ever. Because, amen, praise God. This is a, a Pastor Vasek preached here a couple months ago when I was out running the marathon and this is their new building that we were able to be a small portion of helping them get. Some other churches and other people helped them get the space. They were renting a space. They now own this building. This is their sanctuary. And uh, he sent that to me last night. And just this morning, he sent me pictures of it filled with them doing their worship service together. And I didn't have enough time to get that on the slide because it actually came through as we were singing. Uh, usually I don't have my phone on me, but I had it this morning. And then I checked my text and it was Vashek sending me pictures of that place filled. Praise God. That this Sunday, that church, which is seven, eight years old, was able to move into this space across the world as we are sitting here in this space, which has been active for 70 years. Two different churches, two different continents, two different languages, two different complete different stories, and yet the same God ties us together. Amen? So what I want to do, I'm going to take a picture of our sanctuary semi-filled, and I would love to encourage some of you there in the back, as you feel more and more comfortable, to move on here to fill in these spaces. Um, in time, I'm not going to do that weird thing where I expect you to do it right now and just stand here and wait as you walk forward. Uh, but in the future, I would love to just have you guys inching closer and closer. Uh, but as we get going this morning, I want to take a picture of our sanctuary with people in it, and I'm going to send it back to Vashek. This is how we continue to build relationships with churches around the world. Um, And so I'm going to do that. If you are in witness protection, put a Bible over your face. And the rest of you, smile and wave. So we're going to do this. I haven't done a selfie from the front before, but I'm going to do my best. And I'm going to send this to Vashek. Smile. All right, I'm going to trust that if you are in witness protection, you did what you needed to do there. Um, Let's see. With that, where am I going? Next slide. Back to soul work. Uh, So I've shared over this series this fall that a lot of this 
was birthed out of the sabbatical that I took last summer, about 18 months ago now, that you guys have gifted me with as I spent time with the Lord and just worked on my own soul, that these themes of intimacy, authenticity, and simplicity with God, self, and others is really what God kind of seared into my heart and that I continued to, to search through the scriptures over the coming months and ultimately just felt called to lead our church through that. And so I, I'm grateful for you guys journeying through that with me. Again, like Grant said, this, this, the sermon series ends today. This does not end our soul work. Uh, I, I'm convinced God's going to keep massaging into us what it means for us to grow in intimacy, authenticity, and simplicity with God, self, and others. And again, like I said, I think the Gospel of John is a great place to continue doing that. Um, this morning, uh, Ben is going to, Pastor Ben's going to come forward, and he's going to share with us some of the lessons that God taught him on sabbatical this summer. And then, bonus at the end, a song that he wrote about what God is doing and teaching us through the scriptures. And so, Ben... You can take it away. I'll pray for you. And then uh, Ben's going Ben's gonna to give us a little testimony of what God has done in his life via the sabbatical that you gift us with. Thank you for that gift. Let me pray for you, Ben. Jesus, we thank you for this time and space to be with you and with each other. Lord, I thank you for Ben, for the work that you have done and continue to do and will do in his life. Lord, I thank you for the break that he had to spend time with you. Lord, I pray that as he shares some of his experience and learnings with us, that it would be an encouragement to us to seek you by spending time with you, by making space and time to be with you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you. One, two, thank you, Pastor Andrew. Hello, everybody. Good morning. Uh, Esther, I've already, I've already decided if I feel a little nervous today. Esther, I'm just going to speak to you. <laughs> this is, we're the only ones in the room. All right. Uh, no, I just I want to share today about uh, my spiritual journey over the last several months, uh, which includes the sabbatical that I was able to take also this summer. Um, I'm one of the pastors here. And um, as I talk about my, my spiritual journey, I'm, I'm well aware that Many of you uh, may have already learned the lessons that I learned and uh, years ago, maybe. And I realize we're all in different places in our uh, spiritual walk, um, despite what roles we have. Um, for me, I want to start my story around Ash Wednesday last spring. It was early March. Um, I was feeling a little spiritually dry, uh, maybe a little burned out. I think being burned out is a prerequisite to sabbatical. If you have one coming up, then you're going to get burned out beforehand. I don't know. seems like a setup. Um, but I, I, I didn't really feel like going, uh, but we went to the Elmwood service uh, that we, we partnered with them. And it was just really good for my soul to be there. And I talked with a friend afterwards, and uh, he just asked how I was doing and just mentioned, I just mentioned how I was doing. Um, and... Uh, he, he mentioned a, a book that he hadn't actually read yet, but, but he, had, he had heard of, and it was a book on hurry, and as soon as he mentioned the title, I thought, gosh, that is all I do is hurry. I, really, I feel like that right now, and um, it was about eliminating that, and so I thought, yeah, that'd be good. I need to get my hands on that book. Sounds like a good one. Um, at the time, I... I was having some, some symptoms of, of this. Uh, I was having heart palpitations. I was having some insomnia. Had an eye twitch that wouldn't go away. Things like that. And um, so I, 
I, I took that book to uh, our spring break. We visited, visited my parents in Florida in, uh, a few weeks later and brought that book and uh, had, a, had a beach read. And as I read this book about not hurrying and I'm on a beach and relaxing, um, my, my heart palpitations weren't going away. And so that's when I knew something more was kind of wrong. You know, if, I, if you're in that setting and you still feel kind of internally stressed, then maybe, you know, it's, it's more than just the, the situation. You know, something deeper needs to be um, at, get at work. Um, this, this whole premise of this book on hurry was that hurrying itself is antithetical to the spiritual life. Um, it's really incongruent. And so, um, as, I, as I got back, I, I just felt like um, I, was, I, I was all of these things. <laughs> I felt anxious, scattered, self-isolated, spiritually dry, and spiritually lazy. And uh, I possibly had felt like I had no love for God and no love for others, and just was kind of tapped out. In other words, I, I felt like I wasn't uh, intimate or authentic or simple in my, in my spiritual life. Um, so I, when I got back, I, I, we had a community group meeting, and I just kind of abandoned plans that I had, and I just got around the table and talked with them about what God was teaching me um, through this brother who wrote this book. And, um, you know, the themes of Sabbath and slowing and solitude. Um, you know, I, I've grown up in the church. Uh, I'm currently a pastor. And, and so I've, I've, I know about spiritual disciplines, right? And, and yet, um, I feel like I've never been able to get past the feeling of uh, obligation, that it, it feels like something that I have to do more so than something that I get to do or is, um, you know, a benefit to my soul that I would seek after. Um, it just wasn't uh, inherently compelling to me, I guess. And um, this, I just felt like they were re these were reframed a little bit for me. Like, um, like it just opened my eyes a bit to um, the reality that these practices could what, what they could be and do for my, my spiritual life. Uh, I mean, Pastor Andrew even did a, a sermon series on uh, spiritual practices about a year and a half ago. Um, and I, I remember uh, going through that, and it, it just, it was like a block, like almost like a mental ascent to it, right? Like, I know what these are, I know these are good, and I should do them. Um, but more like ticking off the box, like, yep, we did the sermon on Sabbath, you know, move on, what are we going to do next? But not really... Uh, applying them to really deeply into my own life. In that same season, I just came to the obvious realization. I, I thought, you know what? The spiritual life, it's actually spiritual. You know, it seems so obvious, right? I, I just, for some reason that hit me, like if, if the spiritual life is spiritual, if, if God is spirit, then it's going to take me taking time and space 
to be with God in order to foster a spiritual relationship. Again, you know, these are things that I, you know, it's like, shouldn't you have figured that out when you were 10 or 20 or, you know, but I feel like it's a, it's a depth, right? The spiritual life is, there's no, there's no end to the depth of it, right? God is infinite, so it makes sense that as we get closer and closer to him, it just, he just peels off layers and we, um, we see deeper levels of this reality. Um, so some of you in hearing this, um, you might be disappointed. You might, you know, as, as one of your pastors, you might feel like, wow, gosh, I was expecting more, you know, like of, of them. And, and, uh, but then I, I think that there are others here that um, might relate uh, there may be even more who relate than are disappointed. Um, you know, I, it, it's the reality that pastors are people too, right? And uh, we need the same grace as everyone else. Well, so in, uh, this is all leading up to my sabbatical over the summer, and, which was a three-month hiatus from ministry work to focus on holistic health. And uh, I, I feel like I was a bit anxious going in. I didn't quite know what to expect. I didn't know, quite know what my days would look like. And um, soon into it, I, I had to, I went through some pastor coaching and he helped me to basically just abandon the idea of, of making the most of it because that was going to be anxiety inducing within itself and not, not produce uh, spiritual fruit. Um, so I'll just tell you a little bit about my, what my sabbatical looked like. I had daily rhythms set up for myself uh, slow mornings with Jesus um, included silence, prayer, scripture, other reading, podcasts, journaling, reflection, just kind of wherever I was led that morning. Hour-long brisk walks with Jenny almost every day. Um, silence and solitude retreat uh, that, I, that I also did. And I wrote in my journal, I said, I, I, I can, you know, I'm just in the stillness, silence, and I, I said, I can, my body is still buzzing from busyness. In the slowing, I could feel it. Um, I was realizing my restlessness. Uh, we also did, some tr- did a bit of traveling, traveled to the Rockies, took a, a road, family road trip to the Rockies. That was amazing. A lot of reconnecting time with family. Um, like I said, I did some pastor coaching. He helped me reveal and uncover some anxiety triggers and stressors for me. And I uh, also did an aggressive regimen of chiropractic care for four months um, after an injury uh, that I sustained last year with a herniated disc. Um, so just all these things for my holistic health. Um, in, in those times with Jesus in the morning, I had two primary inputs, uh, a podcast that I ran across and the Bible itself. Um, this podcast, I had read a book a few years ago called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and um, I remembered it being very good. And uh, he has a podcast and that, that I kind of earmarked to check out this summer. And I noticed that he had um, done, he had redone his original book in podcast form, just a chapter a week, about a half an hour. And so I dipped back into that and I got, I got through about the first two and I stopped and I told Jenny, okay, we need to go through this together. Um, we both need this. This is too good not to be talking about. 
And so we, we did that as well. And, um, and then also reading through um, the book of John slowly. I really just wanted to reintroduce myself to the person of Jesus. Um, so I focused in on the Gospel of John, uh, wrestling with things like, how did Jesus know, always know the Father's will? And what does it mean to abide? And guessing that those two are probably connected. Um, I'm excited to jump back into that next week um, as a church over the next several months. And uh, I just want to share five things that I feel the Lord taught me um, through my uh, sabbatical and through, through walking through the book of John. Um, and at the end of the sabbatical, I was encouraged to write these down or else I'll forget and not realize what, what happened. So the first thing that I wrote down here was, like Jesus, I need to reorder my life to be with the Father through, throughout every day. Got that? Kind of accentuate my point here. Um, and uh, I just want to read a, a passage of, um, from the Gospels of where I see that principle coming out. And most of these actually came out of Luke that I was able to find them more specifically. So Luke 5, 15 through 16 says, But now even more the report about him went abroad, that's Jesus, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Number two, like Jesus, silence and solitude are key ingredients to my spiritual life and the answer to hearing from God. Luke 6, 12 through 13. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. That's Jesus. And all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from the twelve, whom he named apostles. So that is a picture of Jesus drawing away to get vision and clarity from God. Number three, like Jesus, it's essential that I fill up spiritually before and after pouring out. Luke 4, 1 through 2. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. For 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. And down to verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out throughout all the surrounding county country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Jesus drew away. This is where he started his ministry and gained power to do that ministry. Number four. Like Jesus, slowing down allows me to be less scattered and more present to people and, and God's good world around me. Luke 10, 38 through 42 is a familiar passage. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, 
Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. <clears throat> Sitting at the Lord's feet. And number five is a little different than the others, but nonetheless, a lesson I learned, relearned. Why are we always relearning lessons? Why can't we learn them the first time? Like Jesus, I can know who I am and what I'm called to, and it's okay that those are different than other people. John 21, 20, Peter turned and saw the disciples whom Jesus loved, uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. That's John himself. The one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So, post-sabbatical, how's it going now? Well, I haven't arrived, and I haven't achieved Zen, or descended from the mountain with a glowing face. But I am happy to say my palpitations have gone away, and insomnia, and, uh, and my eye twitch, they're pretty much gone. So, praise God. Apparently it took three months to... <laughs> um, but I, I'm praying to be more peaceful, centered, connected, and to have a deep love for Jesus and others. In other words, to be more intimate, authentic, and simplified. It really is amazing to me. It's, uh, it's, it's almost like the Lord is leading our leadership in the same direction. Um, sabbatical for me is just the beginning. It's the beginning of reestablishing um, these healthy rhythms. Um, so last spring, we really jumped into Sabbath hard. Uh, we just thought, you know, we've never really taken this seriously. Um, so a day a week, it's set aside. Uh, no leaf raking, no, no, no work. It's an actual day of rest that we're taking advantage of, that God has blessed us with and, and said, um, it's okay. This is, this is for you. This is for me. Um, morning and evening quiet times. Um, you know, before it was just like, yeah, you know, I should do my morning devotions um, and then, you know, miss a week or something. And, and now it's, it feels different. It, in, uh, in, in trying to, you know, come back to God, not just, not just once a day or, you know, a few times, days a week, but multiple times during the day, I feel like committing to do it more during each day makes it happen more often <laughs> Um, make, makes yeah I um, it's really interesting how that how that has worked but um, that has been a sweet time um, simplifying our schedules commitments and even our possessions to make room for what God has for us um, slowing down to find joy and to hear from God Jenny and I are working toward creating a rule of life as we walk with Jesus and uh, after 12 years of leading a small group, 
um, through a lot of prayer and seeking counsel, we sense the Lord leading us to take a break from, from leading that, and we're praying through next steps for that as well. All that said, you know, this whole journey of the past few months and, um, you know, sort of the, the dip in the story and then the mountain experience, right, and then coming out of that. And then, and then I, I know I'm coming up to sharing this this week, and then this week happens, and I feel busy and rushed. Jenny and I had some conflict this week, and I just felt, felt the enemy, the accuser, just saying, like, see, you know, wh- wh- you, can't, you, can't, you can't do this. You know, like, nice try, but, you know, you're going to go up and tell everybody how, you know, great your spiritual walk is now, and that, you know. And, and look at this week. You just fall on your, you fell on your face, you know. And, and um, I, <laughs> I, what I remind myself of is that God's grace reminds me that I don't need to earn his acceptance and that his arms are always open, waiting for me to be with him and to join him in what he's doing. That Jesus already lived the perfect life that I'm incapable of and that love and peace and joy are found in coming back to him. Um, I also wanted to mention too, I think one of the reasons ministries offer extended sabbaticals is because your relationship with God is tied to your profession. And that can get convoluted and I think spiritually dangerous. Um, Maybe it's an occupational hazard. But uh, for those who can't take a sabbatical, um, I just invite you to treat your weekends and your vacation times as sabbaticals. Ask the Lord how he would have you spend your time and to recenter your life on him again. Um, This summer I thought, um, I, I like to write music and I thought, well, I'll have a lot of time. I'll probably write, you know, try to write a lot of music. I tried to once, and the more I thought about anything having to do with music, it just felt like work. And so I stopped. I just didn't, I didn't want to produce anything. Um, and um, I've been writing some psalm songs over the year. And uh, just last week, I woke up on a Tuesday morning, and I just had a melody, in a line and a melody in my head from a psalm. And uh, it was Psalm 131. And uh, it was just one of those, you know, some songs are very hard fought, hard won. And this was one that just was a gift. It just came quickly and, um, and also just fit really well with the, the theme this fall. And um, so I'd like to share that with you and invite my lovely assistant up to, <laughs> to help with that. And, um, and then Andrew will share a bit uh, more on that psalm. If you'd like the lyrics for this song, it's, it's pretty much Psalm 131. And uh, I didn't get the page number on that, but if you just open your Bibles um, to Psalm 131, if you'd like to, and uh, follow along. It's also kind of an eyes closed song, but it's up to you.
This time for 
Amen. Thank you, Ben and Jenny. I don't really know why I would get up here and say something now. Like, that was so much intimacy, authenticity, and simplicity right there, displayed through the text and through Ben's story. So I'm going to talk for like three minutes just to let him recover before coming up and doing communion music. A couple thoughts on Psalm 131. Uh, if you didn't open it up, open it up now. It's on page 519. And let's look at it together as we wrap up the sermon series, Soul Work. This is a, a song or a psalm of ascents. There's 15 psalms that, that the people of God would sing as they went up to the temple in Jerusalem, which was raised up on a hill. And so the people of God, when they would go there for festivals to worship, they would sing these various psalms, the psalms of ascent. And then the priests would also sing them as they would go and do their priestly duties. And this one here is specifically of David, the warrior king of God, who killed bears and lions with his bare hand and Goliath with a sling and some stones. Like a man's man, right? At least whatever you think of a man's man, whatever that is, who knows? Everyone has a different vision of what a man's man is. But this is also a man's man. A grown adult singing about being like a weaned child in his mother's arms. Listen to what he says. Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. Essentially what he's saying there, my, my, my inner being is not proud. The heart in the Hebrew scriptures, it, it had to do with the inner being, the inner man, the inner woman. He's saying, my inner being is not proud. And then the second portion, my eyes are not raised too high. What he's saying there is my external appearance or my external expressions and communications are not proud. There's this reality of humility there for King David. Some of us, you know, if the first one is my inner being is not proud, and if the second one is my external appearance or my external expression is not proud, some of us really constrain our external appearance and expression to not be proud but inwardly we're just as proud as anyone else. Others, they, they, they may have this inward humility, but this external appearance of pride. And so the nod here from David and the call for us is to make sure that we are coming before the Lord and representing ourselves in the world as people who are not inwardly proud or externally haughty or showy. Then he says, I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. In a sense, he's saying, I understand the limits of my understanding. And oh, how helpful that is, how that leads us into simplicity, acknowledging that we don't understand everything, we don't know everything. Our own understanding has a limit upon it. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. There are things in the spiritual realm and things in the earthly realm which we just will not know the side of heaven. And so rest, be at peace. God knows all things. God governs all things. You don't need to. Pay attention of what you occupy yourself with. Pay attention of the, the marvelous things that your mind and heart is pursuing. And some of those are good pursuits, but some of them are unnecessary pursuits which are not helping our intimacy, authenticity, and simplicity. And then he says, I have calmed and quieted my soul. This means to cease striving or fighting 
or forcing our own expectations upon people or ourselves or our own ways upon people or ourselves. Literally, the translation here, it could mean to become dumb. When David says, I have calmed and quieted my soul, that, that word for calm there, the Hebrew word, it, it can be translated as, I have become dumb, knowledgeless, incapable of knowing. David here is saying that he's throwing up his hands and defeat. He's waving the white flag of surrender. I have calmed and quieted my soul. In all these marvelous things, I've acknowledged that I don't know. I don't know why God allows certain things and causes certain things. And I don't know so many things about life and the world and my own situation. I've become dumb to understanding. But in that, I have chosen this posture towards God of humility and quietness and trust. He says, like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Now, this idea of a weaned child in, in verse 2, it's not a child who no longer receives breast milk from its mother. In our culture, we, we, we understand this idea of weaned. It's when you're done breastfeeding or done feeding from the bottle and you've moved on to solid food. That's not the idea here that, that David has, this idea of weaned. It's that it's just been fed. A little bit graphic here. This is what David's saying. It's like I've just been pulled off my mother's breast. I'm adequately full and satisfied. That's what it means to be weaned. Like a mother with its child. Those of you new moms who, who sometimes there's a struggle with feeding, right? But once that child is well-fed and satisfied, oftentimes they fall asleep in your arms, and that's the best cuddle session. That's what David is saying here. That's my soul with God. Talk about vulnerability. Talk about manliness. It's the weakness. It's the embrace of God and you being weaned in his arms in the, the, the nurturing nature of God our Father. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. It's just pulled off the mother's breast. It's fully fed and content, not fighting or needy. And some of you may be asking, well, is this just all passive? Is it, is it just giving up? Is it fatalistic? Am I really supposed to just give up? Aren't I supposed to fight? Aren't I supposed to work? Aren't I supposed to try? I mean, we live in this culture where we, where, that's what we do. And David's posture here, David's encouragement is for us to rest in the loving, strong, faithful arms of God, trusting him. And so is this just passive? Is it fatalistic? Is it giving up? Well, it depends. Some people might say, yes, get to work. You're the master of your own destiny. You're in control of the state of your own soul. Get to work. And I think David actually is telling us, get to work. How? By letting go. By giving up. By surrender. That is the entire sweep of the scriptures. That we grow with God in God, not when we try harder, but when we open up our hands and surrender to God and say, I am coming to you in humility like a weaned child with a mother I am resting in your arms. I have quieted and calmed my soul, my heart, my questions. And look at verse 3. He says, O Israel, O people of God, O the church, 
hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. That word hope, it means to wait with expectancy. That's David's call to you and I. How do, we, how do we work? How do we engage? How do we do soul work? Is it passive? Is it fatalistic? Is it giving up? No, it's an active waiting. Waiting on God to hope means to wait with anticipation. And he's not just waiting one time. He says, from this time forth and forevermore. That's the posture of the Christian life. The way that we grow in our relationship with God, our intimacy with God, our authenticity in the world and simplicity in the world, it's to wait. Now and always. God works while we wait. And we wait while God works. And and what is a greater reminder for us of that than communion? A little broken piece of bread and a little cup that that what does that do most of us aren't catholics so we don't believe that it's actually the body and blood of jesus it symbolizes the body and blood of jesus and what, what does it actually do well it reminds us that someone went before us that someone lived the life that we are incapable of living, died the death that we deserve, overcame sin and death in the grave, and has imparted us with his spirit so that we could walk with him. We wait, and as we wait, God is at work. So I'm going to pray. The worship team is going to come back up and lead us in two more songs as we close out this morning. The communion elements are here, two in the front, one in the back. Come and visit the table whenever you feel led and ready as a reminder for you to wait on the Lord. He's already done the work in Jesus. We've already been saved. And so we receive the elements, the, the, the broken bread representing his body given for us and the, and the cup representing his blood shed for us. We receive that as work that's already been done. But then in the in-between, the here and now, as we wait for him to return or call us home, we continue to wait for him to work out every situation, for him to work out his will in our lives for his good pleasure. Let me pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for your grace, your patience, your love. Lord, I thank you for Ben's testimony this morning that he's willing to allow us to peer into the soul with him. Lord, I pray that more and more we would be a people who continue to do the hard work of the soul and bring others along for the journey. And I pray that together you would build in us a, a, a family, a community, a people who are hungry and thirsty for the righteousness of the Lord and that that would be embodied among us. And so I pray even now that you would nurture, nurture us in this moment, nourish us with these elements as a reminder of what you've done, what you are doing, and what you've yet to do. For your glory, our good, and the advancement of your gospel, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.